When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right now, I am literally waiting for the new soundtrack to the new Cowboy Bebop. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Netflix had to come out. Because, like, I, I don't know what everybody's experience is with that show, but they did get Yoko Kano to come back and do more songs for the soundtrack. Yoko Kano's, of course, the original composer for the first Cowboy Bebop. So, Regardless of how that show turns out, I'm only two episodes deep and I'm a little bit Worried. lukewarm on it. Yeah. But the music is still fucking on point. I mean, the, the, did they have, is, is the band that's recording them the seatbelts again? It, it's still, it's, yeah, it's still the seatbelts. Like, again, it's still Yoko Kano, still the seatbelts. So, they actually have a performance in the second episode. Oh, that's uh, cool. So, like, yeah. So no matter what, the music is fucking good. Like yeah. the, the first episode, they had Dig in My Potato again. Yeah. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I, motherfucker. That was one of the first like series of albums that I like torrented and like got got worried about spyware and malware, but di- also didn't care because I wanted those albums and they were so good. The Cowboy Bebop soundtrack, this is a bold statement because I haven't listened to it in a minute, but I'm like, Cowboy Bebop soundtrack, no skips. Oh, absolutely no skips on that soundtrack. Like there are slower tracks or whatever, but I, I, there's not a skip on the whole album. It's all hits all the way down. What planet is this? (laughs) Before we jump back in, Lex, you got any thoughts on Cowboy Bebop? You want to, you want to throw across (laughs) the plate? This is the time. This is the space. So it sounds, I mean, this sounds bizarre because I'm a huge weeb. Mm. I'm a huge weeb, but I have never watched the original Cowboy Bebop. Oh, man. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> it is very fun. Yeah, all yeah. Right. All right. All right. I, I can get too far, too lost down this hole. What we're right now doing is this dream walking sequence where we're walking through different significant moments in both Jonnet and Teacher Way's pasts. We turn to our next draw for Jonnet, which was the drought. The divination is vital things will leave you. The absence may be temporary, but there is no telling how long it will last. A soul caught in the drought will be in great need. They may be forced to do unthinkable things in the name of survival. The themes are misfortune, scarcity, and desperation. There is a lot that I can see playing into this. I I think the big question, Tyler, is... Do we think this is before or after Jonnet has touched the feather or are these events that cause him to touch the feather? I feel like he's learning an important lesson and I feel like he might learn this at home. Like one of the great things about this dream space is it gives us the excuse to walk through bits of Jonnet's past that we we haven't seen yet, especially before we go and see Jonnet's home in the Sweet 16 event that's coming up. I think my pitch for this would be this is happening sometime in like Jonnet's tween, like honest, maybe like he's 10, between 10 and the feather. I think this is the time period where because in the little bio that I wrote for Jonnet, again, a million years ago, I had the 
Like his parents worked on a coastal town helping to build ships. And then the Red Feathers came in and started monopolizing ship production. That kind of like pushed his parents into like the mainland to like change up their careers and become farmers. His mom stayed around to find work on the coastal city. So she was just kind of like supporting remotely. And then while his dad kind of figured out what was going on and how to be a a, a new farmer, essentially like starting up a new business, you know, halfway through your life. And then the money from his mom stops coming in. And I think that coupled with not necessarily having, you know, everything figured out in the logistics and running of your own kind of business creates just like a little bit of a hard, hard times for the farm overall for and the pressure on his dad becomes the pressure on that he sort of perceives as a child. And I think it's just a level of tension that exists in Jonet's life where it's kind of nobody's fault, but it has large effect. Yeah. I think this kind of gets to maybe Jonet's one of his driving <laughs> desires or fears of just like being a burden to watch the people around him working their ass off and the circumstances not necessarily changing or not changing in a way that, you know, a, a 10 year old can really perceive and your whole world is very small. It's a small amount of people. And like your dad is, I, I'm trying to say like, oh, like he's trying to till the fields and then like the tiller breaks. And then it's like, oh, well now we are, we're truly, we're truly screwed because if I can't till this then I can't plant anything, if I can't plant anything, then I can't grow anything, I can't grow anything, can't sell anything. And if I can't sell anything, then we have no money and we already have no money. So John it, Go entertain yourself. Please take care of your sister. I have to figure this out. Well, Dad, like, is there anything that I can do? He's like, no. Like, there's nothing that you can do, unfortunately, which might be the case. But that's also how are you going to hear that and not, like, feel like you're hitting a wall? Yeah. I don't know if this is a, a single memory yet or if it's just, like, a overall like series of images and vibes and feelings that Jonet is kind of reliving. I, I think this is this is vibes and feelings. This is not too dissimilar from Way's story in that, you know, we, we are seeing like over time a lot of things happen. Because I remember one of the very important things that you told me about Jonet's father is that especially like when we go back to Acheron and right now the the knowledge that Jonet lives with is his father's kind of a big deal is is extremely important in Acheron in some way whether that means he's powerful and influential whether that means he is wealthy or whether that means he is just like installed deeply in that community like the person that we're seeing who is struggling right now is is not the same as the father that that Jonet left Jonet and his sister left more than 6 months ago like probably i guess we're closing in on like 10 or 11 months now like we see we see this period of drought i think for Jonet's family and Jonet like sort of being told by his father like yeah you know there's nothing that anyone can do, even even you who is closest to me, because the the tiller broke. You know, there's nothing almost that I can do, and, and that's that's a tough setback to live with. I think then I, I would like to see a time where time advances a little bit, like. This this tender business, who and I want to be clear, Tyler. Even at this point, Jonet's mother is not in the picture. Uh, Jonet's mom is not in the picture. I feel like before this time in Jonet's like single digit days, I think there were the equivalent of like you know just money being sent into Acheron to his family. That is like his mom 
off the coast working, sending money back. But oh, then okay. oh, there shit. is a point where, you know, the fifth of the month comes and that money's not there. And then a couple weeks later, it's still not there, still not there. And then, you know, the fifth of the month, next month comes and that money's not there. And then there's this slow realization that, like, not only is the money drying up, but, like, my dad is very sad. And yeah. and he's not, he's, uh, I think, in order to get John it, you, it helps if, like, you're you're brought up around, like, a big, jolly dummy. And, like, who is <laughs> very, I think, in John's dad's heyday, like, he was a shipbuilder and, like, he knew, like, he knew his, his workshop, like, back and forth. And he was kind of, like, the man in the shipyards. He relocates and he's still, like, a big presence and, and a good person to, like, have around. But, like, now he's figuring it out. And so, like, he takes that same drive and initiative and maybe, like, he tries not to take himself too seriously, but, like, now he's at a point where, like, it's all uphill. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, yeah, what, what, what we're seeing, I think it is important to see, like, the time where the remittances, essentially, that uh, Jonnet's small family was receiving from their mom dry up, too. That all feels like it is related to the drought. You yeah. know, we see... The struggle of leaving, for whatever reason, a profession that Jonnet's dad was really good at, jived with, like, a lot. I think the, the, the reason, again, the Red Feathers, like, came in and imposed on a shipyard that was making its own ships by its own rules. It bought them up and then, like, corporatized them. And in that, that shakeup, like, they essentially just laid off his parents. Okay. Okay, that does make sense. That does make sense. So, like, yeah, leaves this profession that he was really good at and uh, moves out to start a new life, struggles to start that new life, and then loses the, the external support and also probably likely the love of his life. He's he's here in this new place struggling to, to make this work, support his two kids. And I think time passes time passes to the point where you've got a handle on it i'm not going to say that things are easy but one thing that definitely has been made clear to me about acheron based on some of the flashbacks that that you talked about in the past tyler is that it's not just like plowing fields and, and tilling farming I think raising chickens is a big part of it. And if raising chickens is a big part of it, raising griffin chickens has got to be a big part Ooh. of it too. Like that has just got to be kind of the community that Acheron is because I think the way chickens work, it is probably easier to breed them as griffins than almost anything else. And you can use chicken griffins as like beasts of burden. Yeah. They're probably like pulling plows and shit to till the fields and whatnot. So, like, we get to a point where the operation is stable, if not easy. You know, it is still you and Zana and your dad making it work. And then we see the drought extend to the community. It might be that there is more winter, a longer winter than there normally would be. It, it stays there, you know, for four or five months draining this community of its resources and again it's just like breaking the tiller it's nobody's fault but you can't fix the problems that need to be fixed that are causing people to struggle but i do think in this situation we see Jonnet's dad do something that leads to a part of Jonnet's outlook on kind of stepping in where other people won't step in and helping in ways that other people won't help. And I'm curious what that might be. Well, first off, I feel like I don't think I ever really named his dad. So No, um, we don't have a name for your no. dad yet. Um, I mean, do we have a Douglas in our world? I don't think so. DK, Douglas Kessler? We'll go with that. All right. Yeah, in a in a time of like, I think there's like this. Not to keep throwing it back to the the neighbors whose name 
I do not remember. Uh, no, 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 we do not no, remember do that. Not. Uh, that was <laughs> ye- years ago. <laughs> um, but like, I think maybe like there's an instance where the Griffin chickens in the chicken stable of our neighbors, like there was essentially like maybe a like a. a Either like a coyote got in, or or there was an inciting incident. It scared like one of these chickens, which then like causes like all these chickens to freak out, and like there's chaos and all this stuff. And I feel like there was major structural damage to the ranch, the the holding area for these chickens, to the point where in this massive winter, this prolonged winter, the cold is just kind of like they don't have any place to put them. And so there's a period of time where I think they're maybe not like telling folks about it, but then like they lose like two of their, you know, work horse griffin chickens. And I think in that moment, essentially uh, Douglas like strikes up a deal, does this guy a solid where every day Douglas would wake up and walk his strongest griffin chicken all the way across the fields to their neighbor so that this chicken can do some percentage of the work that needs to be done every day. And then he'll walk back and then he will take his second string chickens and he will tend to his own fields. And I think that is, I think, a moment of grace, generosity in the face of hardship that was a through line for like several, like two months. And Jonnet had to see like his already tired dad wake up at like, you know, five in the morning, get this chicken in line and then walk him across the way, come back, eat like a bowl of, a bowl of grains and like semi-filtered water and then go to work. Yeah. Yeah. I I think one of the, kind of impressions i don't know maybe maybe it's something that john's dad even said is you know we've been suffering for a long time and sometimes if you go through what we've been through you just need a break and you can't make that for yourself but you can give it to someone else and we, we see not just that, not, not, not just that moment of Douglas going out of his way, taking his already broken and bone tired body that is so broken and tired from just trying to work to support his own family. We see him go and do that for another family. And then we see this other family take that and, you know, once those fields have been plowed they've got extra crops they take that they carry that to their neighbors next door and we can see slowly this community i think this is an emergent farming community caused by you know people who are either like Jonnet's father laid off from from the the shipwright dry docks of the outland driven or driven into the mainland by flooding like this is a new place where people are trying to make these old ways work and everybody is struggling in their own way but we can see the momentum of that carry forward to the community and i think we kind of see how that leaves us with the version of Jonnet's father that that we understand today. Jonnet's father is important to Acheron, and he's not important because he has more than other people. Even when Jonnet was more grown, when Jonnet's 14, just about a year before he's about to leave home, we see that Douglas is still struggling in his own way, but everyone in the community kind of looks to him. In the midst of all this struggle, there is a pillar of support, stability in that community, and that is the spirit of Douglas's generosity. And it touched Acheron and made Acheron into, into the place that Jonathan thinks of fondly honestly i feel like 
the people around Acheron start referring to Douglas as the... They start referring to him as the stone because he's the stone that drops in the pond that causes the ripple effects out. And and so when nobody in Acheron is like like living on easy street but I think because of like that one person that offered that hand to the next people are a little bit better and they're a little bit more together because in hardship it's it's easy to like just close off and I'm going to take care of myself and and mine but if nothing else like you know your neighbor more than you did before and that's something and that's that's uh that's the stone's throat. That's that's Douglas. I love that. Yeah, I love that. We have John at like it's not just like this is a lesson that you knew. Some some of it was taught to you explicitly by your father. Some of it was taught to you by an example that you watched and imitated. Some of it was reinforced by this community that your father helped inspire and foster. But now, through the lens of Wei's eye, you are seeing it in its totality. It's not just a platitude that someone speaks to you be the hand that throws the stone help the ripples as they move you are actually seeing those ripples move through the community you are able to look back at these events and understand them more completely than you ever had did it wash away the suffering and the pain that your father and your family endured at the hands of the cruelty of the world? Those random, terrible events that no one could prevent and no one could undo? Of course not. But it, did it make the world a better place? The kind of place that you want to live in? That you think fondly of on those quiet nights when you miss home? Undoubtedly. Janet is taking it's just kind of seeing this and like processing it on the aggregate and kind of turns to way it's like it's like it's easier to see from higher up it's like you, you, you get to see like the things that are inspired by the things that uh. every single decision that leads to the next decision that informs this experiment that we call life it's a lot easier to see from higher up and it's a lot easier to see uh, from a distance as well and you have quite some distance from that time in your life uh, but what I can tell from what I saw in, in this vision is that not only are you a selfish person but you are also a selfless person and having both qualities in different parts of your life is extremely important you want to achieve your dreams that's the selfish part of you you want to be the great person that you see that you can be through your eye but you want to do that for a selfless reason Uh, you want to be the stone you want to follow in the footsteps of your father who made something of himself through hardship and you know established a community and, uh, and became beloved you think about others before yourself in this way, you know, as a leader, as the leader that you're dreaming to be, you want to use that power, not in a selfish way. You know, after you achieve this goal that you've been seeking out for so long, the selfish goal, after you achieve it, you want to use that power in a selfish way to enrich your your found family, to enrich your community, to enrich the people who people who you love and people who you want to protect and i think that that is the best possible way to use selfishness that i could think of yeah it's okay to be selfish but also it's how you use it yes it is how you use it and it is how you use the power that was given to you and it is how you use the power that will be taught to you Jonathan thinks to himself teacher way do you ever see your future self I, I I feel like I've been chasing after me and that's been I don't know, kind of motivating it's kind of cool cool jacket do you see that at all 
What's your wardrobe like in your future self? I have to say that because of the condition of my eye that is not fully formed, I cannot see the future as clearly as you may see your future. And so realizing that I cannot improve on that part of myself, my ability to see the future in a way that's clearer than just vague ideas and uh, sensations, I have resolved to focus as much as I can on being in the present and imparting what I can to other people based on what I can see in the present, what I can see in my dreams, and the past that informs me. So to answer your question, no, I don't really see my future self. And to me, that's okay. And I've made peace with it. And with that, I think Jonnet's vision fades. It's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the moment you have all been waiting for. The newest generic mid-roll is out. That's right. This one is updated, and it's more generic than ever. Uh, just so everybody knows, I'm doing generic mid-rolls because I recently had a baby, and taking care of a newborn does not leave me with time to do most of my regular podcast duties. Obviously, Skyjax is going to continue posting. I'm just not going to be making bespoke mid-roll announcements for it. Heroes, our captain, our very own Nathan Blades, has designed a brand new role-playing game called The Ballad of Conjurers. It was inspired by JRPGs and the melodrama that they are famous for. And you can pick it up right now on Itch for just five bucks. You can find it by looking Nathan Blades up on Itch or by following the link in our show notes. Heroes, I've also got something new coming out. I wrote a direct follow-up to my very first book, The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide, called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition. Basically, we took the concept of prompts and exercises to help you develop backstories for characters at your role-playing table, or really any original characters you want to work on, that use game mechanics to make the process easy and fun, and we expanded it way past the fantasy adventure genre while also including exercises for fantasy adventure. If you're the type of person who loves thinking about your characters or characters in any property that you love, I highly recommend picking up this book. It's coming out in June, but you can pre-order it right now. And pre-ordering is super important. Not only does it tell the bookstores that people are interested in this book, but it tells my publisher that people are interested in this book, and it helps me publish more books and therefore support myself and my family. You can pre-order a copy now by heading to bit.ly slash RPG Backstory 2, and that's 2 as in the numeral 2, or by going anywhere books are sold and signing up for a pre-order. That is all major online retailers, every major brick-and-mortar bookstore, and of course your favorite indie brick-and-mortar bookstores. And I always recommend you go to an indie bookstore or a friendly local game store to order a copy because it helps out so many people. So put yourself down for a pre-order for the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide Expanded Genres Edition today. With that said, first I want to thank Lex the Lexicon Artist for joining us as a guest for this arc. In addition to our regular game, for this arc we're playing StarCrossed, the two-player Forbidden Romance RPG. StarCrossed was designed by my dear friend and former network member Alex Roberts and is published by Bully Pulpit Games. You can pick up your own copy of StarCrossed by following the link in our show notes. A big thank you to all the cast and crew who are involved in producing the music for this arc. That is not just our guest for the arc, Lex the Lexicon Artist, but it's also Arnie Parrott, our house musician, Tyler Davis, who you're going to be hearing later on, James Mendez-Hodes, who wrote some lyrics for one of the songs that'll be appearing much later on in the arc, and of course, Casey Tony, our editor, for choosing when and where it appears in the show. And also a huge thank you to Tracy Barnett, who assisted Casey Tony on the editing for this arc. As always, one of the biggest thank yous goes to our Patreon patrons who made everything you're listening to possible by supporting the show. Let's thank them right now. 
Thanks to everyone who supports us already, and everyone who's going to support us in the future. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get back in the sky! When we last left you, you were standing on a beach where the river meets the ocean meets the swamp. Behind you, there are the waiting steely knives of the cutting stone. And before you is Rusalka in all her glory, with her wings unfurled, with many feathers missing, but a few present, including a pristine gold feather that once belonged to Gable. You are all three sort of standing in front of her, and she is now, she's looking at each of you kind of in an appraising fashion. As though she can see something deeper than the flesh on your skin. Something deeper, perhaps even, than the heart that beats in most of your chests. Her eyes are a real trip, is is what I'll say. (laughs) They are dark. They are dark, but not dark in, in the void black way of Travis's eyes. They are dark in an oily way, in a way that looks like the dancing branches of seaweed and algae that lurks beneath the surface of clear waters, something that reminds you that shadows can live and they may have ill intent towards you. I have spent a very long time watching and seeing things. Things that I know would be valuable to each of you. Things that if I told you would also be valuable to me. But I cannot give you information freely. I have become a luminary. And therefore, dealing is part of my nature. So I will make an offer to all of you. I will tell you something. If you do something for me or offer something for me. And I may decide to let you go. Can we hear the... Just a little... Like what you might need before we... Or is it a... tease, Tease the sail a little bit. Travis, for you it is simple. I need you to release this poor creature from its servitude. It's not really my, you know, servant to release. Oh, Travis Matigo. Or should I say William? It is. More so than your mother's, at least. You are the changeling. This is a fact that is so obvious that me telling you doesn't count as me giving you information. It's something that you should have known for some time. Perhaps a fact that you've been running away from. Yeah, I'm a changeling. They're an angel. What are you... These are woods? You are William. You loved Margaret. And together... You swore to die in a river. You pledged your hearts towards each other in the throes of drowning. You have lived the changeling's tale. You are the changeling, whatever name you swear to call yourself. Look, I don't know if this is some kind of fun little trick you're trying to play, but if I were the changeling, I could, you know, do things like like other luminaries can. People could give me gifts to help them. But I don't... Nobody calls me. You know, I'm just a guy. 
It is more complicated than that, and I can walk you through it. But if I do, I need to know that this creature will be released by your hand. That is the deal I, the Rusalka, offer you, the Changeling. Do you accept? Can I just bring him out of the woods? I don't know how it would work. You'd figure it out. Or you would fail and I would drown you where you stand. Well, I mean, not to... You can. You can't drown, right? You can. If you, like, stay underwater for, like, a full... Well, I'll, long t- enough, t- right? I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Last last time she tried, it didn't work. That's so. true. Oof. Third time's a charm. Second time? Third time. Well, what about everyone else? Let's let's get each of our things. I but I I'll act as uh, in defense of Travis. Hmm. What do Go you on. get? What do you get when this poor creature is removed? Who I have not met. I don't know the 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 whole deal with this this creature here. What do you get? Do you do you get more more land? Do you become more powerful? What's the situation here? Oh, you really don't. You you did just totally I miss it all. did just go into a hole, and I came out of the hole, hmm. and you and you were here, and so was hmm. she, and I am, uh, I'm doing my best, and my best is frankly not good enough at any given moment, including high-intention ones such as these. Raoul has pledged his heart to me. I will take him into my arms and usher him to the river. Raoul, nice to meet you. I'm Gable. This creature, this this deer with flesh that glows with a bioluminescent softness turns to you with strange alien eyes but there is an undeniable sadness that lurks within them. Travis, did you say something bad to him? Why is he so sad? It wasn't. Why would you Why would You, you just know him. You're the one who knows him. So everyone that I know is sad? Mm, I know I am. But that's a... But, um... No, it wasn't me. Oh, we should point out Gable has very thick eyebrows and is waggling a cigar right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Going into a hole changes you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've definitely been in holes that have changed me. <laughs> We're just doing shtick today. Okay. okay. I, I tell sex jokes basically never. So that is uh, one for the next six months. You're welcome. Well ah, so we have ruined you. So we have we have drawn you into the foul waters. Mm. <laughs> I learned it from watching you. Uh, anyway, so to interrupt. <laughs> Rusalka turns to Gable. It has been so long. From you... From you, I wish a simple exchange. I have something of yours. And I recognize that it is rightly yours. But I believe I've made good use of it. And I simply wish something to replace it. I will offer you your feather. And in exchange, I will ask that you bring me feathers from another fallen. Interesting. And I will tell you where to get them. Did I, pointing to the ribbon on her neck, did I make you this way? Yes and no. You are the one who cut my head from my body. But we both hoped that it would be an act of mercy. So I do not blame you for this anguish. I can free you from the pain. I've done it. Oh, dear kindred. I have found much greater use with my form now than I ever could with Oblivion. Besides, I have already woven death into my body. I am the guardian of the river. 
I am closer to it than the flesh of that poor creature that you put out of the throes of pain. Sister, whose feathers do you desire? Anyone's. It doesn't matter. Are there ones you would prefer? If I'm honest, I would prefer yours. But you still have use of them to make. And I think with enough from someone else, I could approximate what you have done for me. Interesting. Well, my exchange seems somewhat even. What about the rest of you? Hmm. Orimar has been kind of, you know, after being whisked away to this other place, has been standing, like, on guard foot placement in a way where if it suddenly would turn to combat, he would be able to spring into action with deadly efficiency. But upon the Rusalka mentioning that she, she became a luminary. Like, that is a, a state of being. You can embody one, and it's not always been an eternal pre-set concept. The fact that Travis has become a changeling, the changeling, and the kind of, like, a combat stance just kind of, like, left, and the, the hat has fallen over Oromar's eyes as the soul within Oromar takes a moment to consider... Would the plan be easier if he became a luminary? Would that be... Well, much could be made of that. Oh, I can sense the hunger in your heart, Oromar Vale. So funny, though. The paths before you don't make your journey clear. I cannot tell if you hunger for power to hold it in your tight fist or if you simply hunger for a solution to a problem that has beset you and perhaps all the world I suspect that you don't even know why you're chasing a shadow Armar signs back they're not in a position to talk currently You can't see what happens at the end of a story until you make your way through the plot. We're still on our way. (laughs) Oh, if you'd known how many men have tried to tell me that before I committed them to the river. You know well enough. Yours is just an interesting case. And there are really so very few of those. Mm. At the suggestion of, or the the thinly veiled threat that uh, the Rusalka might drown Oromar Vale, one who does not breathe and has had an increased lackadaisical relationship to a physical form, he just signs laughter and folds his arms and lets her continue. Yes, yes, of course, of course. Of course it's the role of a man to remind me that he has power and that I can't touch him. Oh, Oromar Vale, you have spent so much of your life building power that was denied you, and I cannot deny that you have committed some of it to good purpose. But that does not mean you will always walk this path. And I have seen your footsteps move in every direction. But of course, the obsession that you have drawn towards yourself is not just any power. Not the power to command men or raise ships as so many allow to sparkle distantly in their eyes. No, for you, there is no limit to the power that you crave to move your will across the whole of sphere and leave us all to question what that will might be. And when faced with the possibility that someone might deny you your right, 
you remind me that you've already defiled your body and soul to the point that you can't be drowned. The river is far deeper than water or a marvale. And if it was to stop you doing the most terrible thing that could be done, then it might be worth me spending my life to do it. Don't laugh. Listen. It will set you on the right path. Arma folds their arms and has to physically mock a sigh, because obviously there is no breath to make a sigh, and says, (laughs) I've been spending time with Gable for so long, I forgot how judgmental angels could be. <laughs> Stepping forward to to the Rasulka, indeed, the power that I seek could be used to all sorts of ends, and how one and those who work with me might grow in that purpose is unforeseen, even to you. But it sounds to me like you are somebody who is interested in limitless potential. (laughs) Oh, you are an interesting one. The deal that I offer you, I offer you the edges of information, the things that the other lumens would be afraid to tell you because they would be afraid of what you might do with the knowledge I know what you might do without knowledge, which is why I'm comfortable revealing this information. And all you would have to promise me in return is that should you recognize that you walk the wrong path, you will allow yourself to be destroyed. Hmm. Orma, I think, smiles pretty wide and says... Well, it's a good thing one of your kin is keeping such a close eye on me. I do have one additional request, however, and I think you might find it interesting. You can see a sparkling about her features. You've, you've clearly piqued interest. Mm. There is a young lad by the name of Jonet Kessler. He has talents that continue to surprise and is continuing to learn, well, things that I didn't even really dream of. But it'll take him close to the water, eventually. I may not be an all-seeing angel, but I can foresee that. Next time you get face-to-face with Jonet Kessler, ally or turn yourself away. Now this... This is why I chose not to drown you, Mr. Vale. The captain winks. This was very, very difficult to foresee, but if that is the thing that you request from me, then it is done. Hmm. To knowledge and the continued growth of Jonet Kessler and uh, Oromar Vale offers a hand. Gable's just, like, looking at Travis like, uh, uh... Is this okay? Yeah, I think Rusalka takes Oromar by the hand. Mm-hmm. And you know how crocodiles are said to drag prey beneath the water without making a sound or a splash because they simply wrench your body in the proper angles so that as little disturbance on the surface as possible is caused. I only know alligator facts. (laughs) Okay, okay. Well, this is probably more of a crocodile fact. When when I went on a tour, on on like a little tour boat to like just, you know how sometimes you just go and look at crocodiles, like that's a whole business? Sure. So we we went around and and the uh, tour guide told me about some like people who had like just waded into the water and one of them ha- had bent over to pick something up nope. and the other people they were with didn't even notice they were gone until much later because they were pulled under the water so silently. Classic. That's how Oromar is taken under the water. Oh, oh no. Uh, I'm going to, uh, do we see him? Do we see where he went? 
You you can see him, and you could probably also see that I don't think he is very disturbed by this. I am alarmed, but I am not concerned because you will remember the captain is in fact deceased. Oh, but also wet. I don't think wet is good for for them. <laughs> wet, I think, uh, is fine. You I'm know, gonna, when you, if you go into some sort of spooky person's menagerie and they've got all the the homunculi no. they're all no. in they're all in wet what no a homunculus thrives in wet absolutely this submerged not- in wet <laughs> i love the idea that yeah that travis and gable are having this conversation <laughs> when oromar emerges from the water like from a baptism in the river. Look at that, wet as the day he died. I was about to reach in and grab your hand. I was not I'm a good employee and I'm sorry that took, okay. I'll tell you what I told Gable. I was alarmed but not concerned. Orma dripping wet now quickly checks the inside of the coat to make sure that the jars of apple puree are unbroken. They're unbroken. He puts the coat back together and nods sagely, uh, turns to Gable and says, well, you best be keeping your eye on me. Otherwise, your sibling will be getting very irritated. Yeah, I, I really do love that Oromar, the first thing he did is check, I hope this I hope this luminary didn't jack my apple puree. Hey, you know, this the, the bottles clinking together under high force, it took a long time to puree those apples. I had no food I mean, processor. Yeah. <laughs> in in a long line of cereal mascots, the one thing that we know is that they just love to steal cereal mm-hmm. and you are just protecting your apple jacks mm-hmm. <laughs> does apple jacks have a mascot Kid, just kids um I, I i think actually like a pretty racist one oh if great I, if i remember <laughs> like they've got like kind of a grumpy apple and like a jamaican cinnamon mm. stick great really no that was the, that was bad. the cinnamon apple jacks not the standard apple jacks okay oh, they realized their mistake swiftly jacks. with the <laughs> Is a is is a frog named Applejack? No, that's Smacks. That's Smacks. Yeah, you're thinking of Smacks. I am. I always think of Smacks. I'm I'm looking up Applejacks right now just to it. Okay, they are by Kellogg, so it actually does not fucking matter Mm. what Applejack's mascot is because you shouldn't buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would go. (laughs) That's why don't eat cereal in the morning. It's probably full of rusty screws at this point, anyway. So (laughs) have a lovely egg Uh, in the morning. Hmm. <laughs> uh, unless, of course, that egg is a fucking scab. Um, and it it's hard eggs, to tell. It ain't breakfast. I that, love. That's it. what they say about eggs, mm-hmm. for sure. That's a thing. You don't remember that commercial? No. If it oh, ain't man. eggs, it ain't breakfast. Yes. Is that just a generic commercial for eggs? Yes. You, you know how oh sometimes God. we have commercials for like milk and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The egg cabal. <laughs> if it if it's not eggs, don't you do it. <laughs> if it's not eggs, don't you do it? There you go. It's fucking mm-hmm. eggs. Commercial for eggs. Okay. 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 <laughs> as Oromar emerges from the water, as he walks out of the water, the water of the river recedes from his clothing and, and flesh. Like you emerge dry and clean. Mm-hmm. But like there was a moment of just like violent being held under the water as though the entire river was an appendage. Mm. You understand your strength. You have matched your strength against the strength of the mariner. You've held your own against the sea. Still, having the river hold you down, it made it, made it clear how far you have yet to walk until there are no challengers mm. who might be able to face you. Yeah, even though no harm befell Oromar, there was a moment of internal calculations being kind of like, okay, if this goes south, what are the five options I can do to get out? Oh, I'm fine, okay. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Which I suppose leaves our dear William. I think you're in need of a story, a story that has been denied you. So if you'd be willing to indulge me, there once 
was a queen. You there, you there, slimy one. Sounds like you wanted to speak to the chef who you be working with, who also works here because I work here now. Trexel. Trexel, it's very obviously you. Who's Trexel? I'm the chef. The chef who's called, I don't know, something like Slam or Shunt or or Crunk, something like that. That's (laughs) me. It me, Crunk. Slam? Hey, uh, Slam. um, That that was it. That was my name, Slam. Hello, Slam here. I've known you all for years. I... And you seem a lot smaller. Um, mm. and That's rude. That's rude. You're a kid. You're short. <laughs> Didn't see me pointing that out. All right, you are. are clearly that guy who's starting beef with me. <laughs> Which guy? John, who, of course guy he's starting here? beef. He works in the kitchen. Now leave the you show. Get out of <laughs> You want a Wellington, you got to kill a few beef. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. Just chef, name, name a food then, if, you, if you're so good at chefing. Slurry, the only food there is. Right, see? Obvious. Obvious that's, what, that's what people eat. There are other foods, Trexel. Uh, I don't answer that name. I answer to the name, I'm going to say bong. Incorrect. What about honk? Honk. Honk. Fantastic um, name. Clatter. Slap. Oh, man. Slam? I yes. wish we had a crewmate named Honk. I will be whoever you want to be. Let me introduce you to your new crewmate, Honk, who is a goose. <laughs> honk, honk. I'm going to be very protective about some bread. Honk, honk. I, oh, uh, Trexel? Uh, uh, yes. Oh, no. God damn. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I thought Since you're so insistent on being a goose, oh, you should probably go oh, and yes. meet the rest of the birds in our aviary. I heard that you were oh, down there recently. Uh, Lucas? Lucas? There's a bird for you to play with, Lucas. I'm a bird. I'm a bird. Oh, God. What is this, Lucas? How, how tall is Lucas again? Like Lucas is... Solid... I need to know who I... Like, nine foot. close nine to... Foot? I mean, probably higher, higher, way higher than nine foot because, you know, Gable can, can ride. Like, I know that Metatron is 15, oh, so... <laughs> Woof. Okay. Lucas, Lucas is probably taller than that. The tallest white peacock you have ever seen. Gosh, with what a, a taste for mortal flesh, but for legal reasons, not Big Bird. Wow! <laughs> and I, I'm gonna uh, Trexel sort of tucks himself under the wing, sort of snuggles in there because he's a goose and he wants to be friends. <laughs> so, and we're gonna close the door on that again. David Seven, I, I gotta say, um, if. If if you could uh, maybe hold off a little bit on the slime within these muffins, you could have a, a good shot at uh, being a, on this crew. Yeah, I could probably scrape it off um, pre-serving. I mean, it Ooh, does scrape. It's quite. It does come back quite quickly. Uh, I, I think it's necessary. Uh, I don't know what happens. I might dry up and flake off um, like dusty bread. But um, but I, I can give it a go. Maybe I can wear gloves. It's an interesting question because. So it is a material that comes off you, but is it you is the interesting part. Well, mm. I suppose if you spit on the floor, have you, have you left a bit of yourself there? It's a, a so it's more of an excretion. The, well, but the, the DNA yeah. is there. Yes. Yeah. Well, now, here's the thing. I'm not sure I have DNA. Um, the whole process by which I came to be is, is a bit hazy. Um, so... I mean, I, I am, I am cloned. I'm David I Seven. I thought I heard yeah. that earlier. Yes, you know, no, just um, moving so Tre- fast. Yes, Trexel has managed to kill, I don't know, roughly fifteen hundred, maybe more. Uh, we don't know. Records have blown up. Are, uh, are you clones, okay? And I'm, I'm the only one who's managed to. Yeah. Are you hmm? okay? Do Do you need us to help you? <laughs> oh, I mean, I've spent a reasonable amount of time processing the issues. Um, they are recorded, and you can listen to them. Um. But I think I'm in a pretty good place now, actually. Okay. Yeah, no, I am I mean, Tre- Trexel holds little to no power over over me. That's good. That's good. As long yeah. as you feel empowered. Oh, the other thing is I'm also very strong. 
So oh. that, that might be useful. Mm. I, I might not look it, but but what I make, what I lack in size, I make up in density. All right, break this book in half. He throws a book at him. Okay. What? Just no no effort. Just cracks it in two. <laughs> wait, but that's a, <laughs> wait. Hold on. Wait, hold on. He's <laughs> you snap the papers like they were themselves brittle. Yeah, well, you <laughs> compress it and then you snap. Wow. So, boy, the physics are truly amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What can I say? Um, it is it is true. I mean, do you have do you have steel? Yeah, yeah. yeah sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you hear a knock at the door. Knock, 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 knock. Roll back the barn don't, door. Don't get that. Don't. Um, I, you, I hear that the steel worker was was called for the steelman. Uh, your ship steelman. Hello. You're still in the chef outfit. This is a steelman's outfit. You're a kid. You don't know. You, okay, <laughs> you got to stop being did... rude to you, young people. <laughs> so just going to close this door. <laughs> no, if you need any rolled steel or cold milk. <laughs> Bloody kids. <laughs> I am so sorry about him. I don't. We did come here in the same ship, and um, yeah. I, I, I can't help but feel partly responsible. If if we hire you. Like bad smell. Are we able yes. to take you away from this location and leave your compatriot behind? I want to say yes, mm. um, if I'm being entirely honest. You will probably it will probably be fine for a few weeks and and then at the most inopportune time trex will probably pop out um while singing a song okay. and get at least five people killed Ooh, yeah okay. mate so i'm it's sorry really... i can't i, I can't know. five of no wait five of the right <laughs> people killed? no that travis it feels like we won't have that choice in the moment <laughs> that's a risk it, it, i'm willing to take <laughs> I mean, it could be you, Travis. I'm, I'm being honest here. Look, I, I want what's best for the, the ship oh, and, and for, like for me and for you. But... You, you just hear drifting through the vents. Travis will be fine. The others, they shall die. Okay. Everybody loves Trexo Geisman. Did, did you, Travis will be fine. Did you install HVAC into the entire ship <laughs> so we could when have this? When I was the steel milliner, okay. I just thought, well, while I'm here. The steel milliner is not the right phrase. That's a steel hat man. <laughs> I, My you know neck what? is so tired from this <laughs> I make wonderful steel hats for all the children of the world. Uh, I'm... So, I, I'm getting a sense that it, it, it's it's a no. Unfortunately, yes. yes. No, that's... that's. I mean, yeah. that no, that is fair enough. I, I thought I'd try my luck, but uh, unfortunately, the he is the... The, the chain around my ankle. Um, I might go introduce him to the seals, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, if you do manage to murder him in cold blood, uh, please do drop us a line. Uh, yeah, hit us up. <laughs> You're pulls an excellent. a business card, tries to find a pocket on your onesie and fails and just kind of like slowly <laughs> inserts it into the slime. There you go, mate. There you go. The business oh. card dissolves. Oh. Thank you very much. You can like um, see the the card start to dissolve within the slime. <laughs> immediately gone. Uh, Trexel, I, th- I think I saw a bar down by the river. Oh, good. Okay, I'll go. Um, David, real talk. How do you think I did? Did I wow them? I think I wowed oh, them. Oh, I know. I think you did extremely well. Look, come on, let's have a celebratory drink. Okay, lovely stuff. Lovely stuff. And if we don't get it, we can all agree it's your fault. You came yeah, in fine. there. Look, you I'll, weirded them out. David. I'll buy you, you a flax and whisk. Yeah. Okay. It's fine. Come on. Let's go. Was he munching something? Just. I always am. <laughs> Look, I, I just do not engage with him. Do not say anything. Do not re- oh, reference. He will come back. He will. What is today? No, no. What's a nibble? Trexel, Trexel, no, we're going to get a drink. Trexel. Just falling so slowly into space. <laughs> there he goes. <laughs> Goodbye. Campaign Skyjacks is a one-shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter over at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. Welcome to Character Creation Cast, a show where we create and discuss characters, the best part of role-playing games, with guests using their favorite systems. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Bolter. And I'm your other host, Amelia Antrim. Join us as we sit down with game designers, podcasters, and fans of games as we dive into learning about different RPGs through the lens of character creation. 
It's a combination of character building, player advice, game design insights, and even a little bit of fan fiction for a different game every month. We tackle a variety of new and old games, both well-known and indie-produced titles. We learn how creating characters can tell us a lot about the games themselves. Check us out today anywhere you can get podcasts or on the OneShot Podcast Network at OneShotPodcast.com. You can find more great gaming shows over at OneShotPodcast.com. Like Neoscum. Neoscum is a narrative comedy podcast featuring five Chicago improvisers antagonizing their way through the role-playing classic Shadowrun. It follows a group of misfits and outsiders. Z, an acerbic cyber troublemaker. Pox, the candy junkie klepto from across the pond. Tech Wizard, the public access actor with a petulant thirst for adventure. And Dak Rambo, the nastiest trucker this side of the Robo Mason Dixon. Join the irascible Neoscum crew on a puerile rock and road trip through a weirdo world of tomorrow, doling out street justice to every deeb they encounter, whether they deserve it or not. Jonnet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. He also co-stars and consults on Showtime's Work in Progress. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at LizAnderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Matigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcasts, Bill Buds and Dilettante Ball. Captain Oromar Vale was played by Nathan Blades, who can be found on Twitter at PhantomArtsENT. You can also find them streaming on twitch.tv slash theneoncaster. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter at OneShotRPG or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this podcast was written, composed, and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find him on Twitter over at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. You can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony or on his podcast, Neoscum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter at Fiona Pup. The World of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and Illimat, produced by Together Studios. This show uses a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system designed by Sam Stewart and a team of talented professionals who were fired by the private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. The strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends ne'er to rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind Who know we can never deny The call of the sky